This is Fierce Kitty. And this is Sasha. And this is the Mad Normal Podcast. The podcast where we'll tell you what we're doing once we know what we're doing. I'm just really grateful for my fidget thinking putty. Yeah? <laughs> yep. Is it the one that, like, does it, like, warm in your hand? Yeah, but it's not, like, especially warm. Honestly, I've never used this yellowy one, and it's kind of too bright of a yellow. For me. It's, it's actually kind of a gross color to me, and there's glitter in it. It's a lot. I can't use fidgets because, like, they... My hands are too shaky. Mm-hmm. So, like... Like, the spinner ones that everybody has. I've never even held one of those or actually, like, seen anyone actually using them. I... I don't know where I've been because apparently they're taking over. They're everywhere. I have... I actually have a fidget that, like, is, like, a bike chain. Oh, cool. Yeah. Oh, I feel like I've seen stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. And it... It was... Um... It's made of bike chain and, like, you, like... It's kind of like the spinner fidgets, but, like, you, like, t- twist and turn. It's almost like a Mobius mm-hmm. strip a little bit. But I have too bad of hand tremors to, like, actually use fidgets properly. <laughs> yeah, if I don't, like, use fidgets, I wind up, like, not in a self-harm way, but, like, lightly pinching myself and, uh-huh. like, using myself as putty. And actually, like, can get kind of just, like, repetitive stress, whatever, and, like, slowly become harmful. So... Like, I have many silly putty type things. So do fidgets help you with, like, anxiety or focusing or any of the above? Mostly anxiety, but I feel like it's nothing I really consciously think, oh, if I don't have something, I'm going to not be able to focus. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to default to, like, using my skin as putty. Mm -hmm. And so, like, I've always had a fidget. This way, I'm just not, like, weirdly pinching my arm. Mm -hmm. Which like is not ideal or my legs which is also not ideal i used to twist my arms like kind of like snake bite twist your arms yeah yeah or like when i would get really anxious i would twist towels huh yeah like bath towels or hand towels (laughs) (laughs) i think that they're like oh mental health i was i think like when I was younger, it was, like, bath towels. Like, I would twist them almost like I was wringing out water. Mm-hmm. But, like, that motion of, like, putting pressure on my hands was, yeah. like, super helpful. I don't know. I guess Did you like that it was, like, terry cloth? Was it, like, a sensory thing, too? I think so. I think that was before that I knew that I liked sensory stuff. Yeah. It's always hard to pinpoint stuff from when you were a kid and be like, I think that might have been that, but maybe not. Yeah. Who knows? I'm glad that fidgets exist. I mean, they're super helpful. Yeah, I'm a little, like, ugh, I don't want to be, like, one of those people, but I feel a little annoyed that they've become, like, a collection thing for kids because mm. it has been a real... Being a trend means that if you keep doing it past the trend 
the peak of the trend, the trend's half-life, whatever, mm-hmm. then you're just doing something annoying and outdated, mm-hmm. whereas it should really just be a tool. A tool for... People who need it. Yeah, for sensory stuff. And it's cool that it's hip or whatever, but I don't think, like, autism or anxiety disorders became hip because of the fidgets. Like, there's very little awareness and mostly, like... But it's also third graders who are into it, so, like, really not trying to shit on third graders. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like they're very popular in middle schools as well. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I wasn't sure what the... I guess, yeah, third grade through middle school is that age of, like, collecting, like, Pokemon and mm-hmm. whatever it is. And now it's... Tamagotchis. Okay. <laughs> That's such a sure. dated thing. <laughs> I homeschool, but I don't even remember exactly what those were. I remember having a Tamagotchi. I think I, mine died a bunch of times because I got really anxious and like overfed it or something like that. You have a Furby? I did it's not a have a Furby. No. Or sea monkeys? It's a terrible thing of that world. Which are essentially just plankton. Yeah, I thought it was going to be like either little monkeys or like miniature dolphins in there and I was like oh cool it's just crap floating in the water (laughs) (laughs) and then it should just smell really bad (laughs) this is why I never got into ant farms because they would all die oh my god that's a terrible terrible thing to let a kid have (laughs) people are like you can have an ant farm but you can't have a dog and I'm like you should probably get the dog (laughs) they either die or they escape yeah yeah also, like, ants shouldn't be trapped. No. Like, it just doesn't seem right. They're, like, fascinating creatures. They should be able to, like, do their thing. I was actually watching an ant yesterday at the <laughs> beach, like, really insanely closely. This is totally off topic. But I was like, they're such fascinating little creatures because, like, you know, they have to, A, avoid us stepping on them and, like, placing shit on them. Mm-hmm. But, like, they can hold so much of their body weight. I like heard, I heard that unless you kind of smush them like smear them when you're smushing them and like actually like break their limbs but they get like just, just flat pressure from a human person they usually won't die that's amazing that could be a, like completely fictitious though we're gonna go as that is a biological fact yep right now they also can live underwater for like four days they just like will walk to dry land <laughs> unless they don't get there it's <laughs> amazing they're fucking cool random tangents have you seen the movie Ants? We could just keep going. <laughs> I have not actually, but there is a picture of me in Disney World with Honey I Shrunk the Kids, mm-hmm. like the like yep. amusement park adventure ride, sitting on the giant ant. Nice from the movie. Mm-hmm. It's my I feel like it'd be a difficult amusement park to design because it's the sort of big stuff. Yeah, <laughs> it's maybe fun. that's easy. I don't know. So, uh, what else? (laughs) (laughs) Randomness. Um, I guess, like, maybe we should talk about how we identify. Yeah. What that means. What does that even mean? I mean, that's, like, such a big question. Yeah, it's sort of a hard, like, I feel like I always forget one of the things. It's a long list of little identities and, like, sub-identities and mm-hmm. micro-identities. And micro-identities. <laughs> like macro and micro. Macro and micro. Mm-hmm. I, have you ever seen the... Okay, so this is, like, from my stint in the psych ward. Um, and then, like, subsequent, like, three-week outpatient. Like, uh, or not, it wasn't outpatient. It was inpatient uh, partial hospitalization. They would make us pick 
uh, every day three emotions from the feelings wheel. Mm-hmm. Do you know how many feelings there are? Like, like actual I feelings? I wasn't going to say court at any point. So what are, like, are, like, they're all the feelings? Like, like, are many feelings? They're, like, there's, like, 50-plus feelings. Like, anxious, aggravated, angry. These are just the A's, yeah. you know? <laughs> Start on the top. <laughs> and, like, I would be like, I don't know. I don't know what I feel. I think I feel sad or depressed or happy. But, like, there's, like, four different, you know, microcosms of, like, happiness. Mm-hmm. Um, and and they would make you pick ones that were what you were experiencing? Yeah, applicable okay. to that day. Um, and then talk about it. It was really boring. I think I do, yeah. Yeah. yeah was, you have a lot of time. Yeah, you have a lot of time in partial hospitalization. But I feel like that applies also to identities. Mm-hmm. Like if there was like an identity wheel. Like, oh, yeah, like pick three for today. Yeah, like three for today. How do you feel today? <laughs> the identity wheel would be also... Just freaking huge, though. Yeah. So what... Okay, for our fictitious identity wheel of mm-hmm. the day, what are your three identities today? Mm-hmm. Just gotta, like, think about my top identities right now. <laughs> it's, like, rising to the surface. Definitely anxiety disorder, having person, or mentally ill, just generally, I guess. Um, Overall mentally ill. Um, Kind of being a white person Mm -hmm. today. I've been thinking about that a lot today. And I think, yeah, feminist. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. How about you? I would definitely say... Fem or feminist. Um, what else? What am I feeling today? I have to like go deep inside my brain. Um, I'm feeling a little bit of the identity of like this inherent need to be an overachiever mm. of like saying yes to everything and doing everything all Mm -hmm. the time which isn't necessarily like a positive identity to have um and yeah I would say definitely like 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 identifying with my mental health or mental illness identity which is something that is something that I deal with 24-7, but I often forget about. Yeah, no, it's like, kind of slips in and out of being, like, sometimes you're just dealing with it, and then sometimes you're thinking about it in, like, the big, like, cosmic sense of it all. Yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, like, I wear eyeglasses, and I'm like, oh yeah, I see the world because I wear eyeglasses, mm-hmm. and I forget that I see the world because I'm, I deal with mental health illness. Totally. And, and those are the glasses in which I see the world, and I think that also people forget that that's the lens that mm-hmm. I see the world through. It's a pun. Yeah. Good one. <laughs> <laughs> a little humor right there. But I think that that's, I mean, I think that's important because it's often invisible mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, which can be really frustrating. Totally. Because it's, I don't know if you ever feel this way, but 
sometimes I feel like I have to constantly out myself to people. Oh, yeah. Of, like, oh, BTW. Like, this is my experience on a day-to-day level. Once in a while, it occurs to me that it's weird and awkward and makes people uncomfortable, and mostly I don't think about that anymore, but once in a while, it occurs to me, I'm like, oh, my God, I can't believe I do that. Like, I used to hate people who did that Mm -hmm. in high school who were always talking about, like, their depressing lives and mm-hmm. stuff. Now I'm like, I walk into a room and I'm like, so I'm going to be really uncomfortable and I'm anxious and this is what's going on in my personal life, so. Yep. Yep. It, it's, I feel like it's, it's a level of vulnerability that most people don't experience unless they have mental illness in their day-to-day lives. Mm-hmm. Um, And it's really interesting to think about, like, outing yourself and the idea of what it means to out yourself Mm -hmm. to, like, the, I'll use this term loosely, the, like, normies or the people Mm -hmm. that don't have the level of anxiety or, for me, like, bipolarness that is just, like, bleeds into everything I do. Um, And it's... I don't know. Sometimes it's exhausting. There's moments, like, where... Especially, like, for me, I have to take medication every day. Mm-hmm. I fucking hate it. Like, I absolutely hate it. Mm-hmm. And it's just, like... And it's, like... Even if I'm having, like, a totally good day, like, I end my every... Like, my night ends every night with taking a bunch of pills. Mm-hmm. And what about it? Don't you, like, the whole thing of having to be medicated the like actually like taking pills and like swallowing pills and remembering to do it it's remembering to do it um it's not necessarily the whole medicated part because I've kind of I've come to terms with that Mm -hmm. and I've also known myself Mm non-medicated and it's like day and night and I know that medication is, is like my choice and it's not for everybody yeah but for me not being medicated is like far worse totally than being medicated and I was diagnosed with bipolar in 2011 it's 2017 now so that's like six years yeah of actually having a known diagnosis and it's taken me it's only in the last six months that I've actually had, a, like, a cocktail of medication that works. Mm. And so, I think for me, the most frustrating part about medication is feeling like a guinea pig mm-hmm. by, like, doctors. Mm-hmm. Where they're just like, we're just going to throw this at you. Because mm-hmm. we don't know. And totally. then it changes everything. It's super weird that you can just take a pill and then you're different. Or something about your experience is different. Mm-hmm. It's, like, something, like, I try not to overthink. Yeah. Because, like, that's fucking wild. Yeah. It's... I don't really... I guess I don't see the... I'm on three different medications, and I don't really see the, like, major side effects now. hmm But for the last six years when I was a guinea pig of, like, all these other medications, I was just, like, the side effects queen. Mm-hmm. Like, every they were like oh this happens in like three percent of people and i would get it yep you're always like the (laughs) tiny percentage that they say you're not gonna be exactly and so it'd be really frustrating and so i think for me taking medication is just a reminder that like sometimes doctors just don't fucking understand yeah 
Yeah, I have never taken any medication for mental health stuff. Yeah. I always, for the past several years, I've really wanted to, and I've definitely, and I've never been institutionalized either, so I've never been points where I was, like, begging people around me to just, like, lock me up Mm -hmm. or something. Um, And I only just got my healthcare sorted out, so I guess maybe I'll handle the medication stuff. Yeah. My wife kind of wants me to, which is not super useful to my actually doing it, but... It's a process. Yeah, it is. It's and it, I mean, like healthcare is one process, but then actually finding what works Something for that your works. yeah is, and then recognizing how it's going to change your affect mm-hmm. because you're taking these chemicals that are affecting, like if you deal with anxiety disorder or, or bipolar or anything that mm-hmm. actually has like f, like brain chemicals involved in it. Absolutely. Like when you add more chemicals to it, you're like, now I'm a completely different person. Yeah, and one thing that I'm, like, concerned about going into the possible medication journey, I guess, is that my diagnosis is, like, very poorly pinned down. And Mm -hmm. it's mostly a combination of kind of a couple shrinks, Mm -hmm. some self-diagnosis, and some friends being like, this sounds about right for you. Yeah. And, like, go, go, like, Going into an office and saying, I want to be medicated for anxiety isn't that great of an idea until, like, a few other things are ruled out. Mm-hmm. And then anxiety would be way easier to medicate mm-hmm. than some of those other potential things. Yeah. What would what would be the other potential things? Bipolar or something bipolar adjacent. Mm-hmm. Possibly PTSD. Mm-hmm. Or complex PTSD. Yeah. Oftentimes... Are they run parallel? Yep. Like PTSD and bipolar because bipolar can be genetic, as in my case is genetic, but also uh, trauma induced. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like for me, my bipolar kicked in after a traumatic event, and then, but I also have other family members who are bipolar. Yeah. In my family, I absolutely think that. I, was a kid with an anxiety disorder, mm-hmm. and then shit got really weird mm-hmm. <laughs> around 2010, a little bit, 2011, like, really hardcore. And the last time I talked to a shrink about it, they were like, sounds like teenage hormones. Okay. <laughs> You're like, super not helpful. That's great. <laughs> kind of comforting, because it'd be cool if that was all it was, but didn't feel like it. Yeah. None of the other teenagers were doing that yeah. shit. <laughs> yeah. Except for the ones who know of diagnosis. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's that's like... I think it's really hard to actually pinpoint a diagnosis when you're in the throes of your teenage years and oh, puberty yeah. and whatnot, because shit's already haywire in your brain. Yeah. And you don't even fucking know who you are, and you're still developing no. your own sense of identity and oh, whatnot. Absolutely. And so, like, the like how those two intersect... Like, it's, you know, I feel like everybody, when your brain chemicals are running rampant, everybody has, like, off-kilter mental health. Mm-hmm. You know? Totally. Yeah, being a teenager is the worst. And, like, a mentally ill teenager is super shitty. Yeah. Do you have anything besides bipolar? Uh, potentially, a, potentially a PTSD diagnosis but I don't I don't really know the difference between complex PTSD and PTSD mm-hmm. 
but like I have had um, like I've had enough specific trauma in my life that could and then like reactionary kind of events that could warrant the PTSD mm-hmm. um, diagnosis but really for me bipolar one which <clears throat> for people who don't know what bipolar there's like bipolar one and bipolar two mm-hmm. and bipolar one bipolar two is hypomania mm-hmm. with large bouts of depression mm-hmm. whereas bipolar one is manic episodes mm-hmm. you have to at least have one manic episode and then you can have like yep. as much depression as you want but it's the one like mania mm-hmm. that actually kicks you over to bipolar one and so for me the I've had enough manic episodes in my life that it's kicked me over to the bipolar one which is super irritating because <coughs> if I could just have hypomania that would be great it's just like euphoria yeah no being like manic and productive and feeling good is awesome and then like the crash is super great it's, it's and I don't identify officially as somebody with bipolar but that's like one of the reasons why I feel like I might <laughs> like I know exactly what you're talking about I think I hope <laughs> it's you know it's like for me mania is it's really super fascinating because it my my personality and my identity has been so informed by being bipolar without the diagnosis of being bipolar Mm -hmm. and like I said today I identify with being an overachiever which is this identity that I formed at such a young age because I think that I had this like really compulsive, impulsive drive to want to do everything all the time, all at once, mm-hmm. which are often like characteristics of mania. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so it's it's kind of like that flow in my personality is ingrained in me and it's really hard for me to slow down it's really yeah, hard for me to like not have a full schedule which makes me exhausted all the time which is a really fun compliment to being really energetic and then being completely wiped out Mm-hmm. yeah I often we've talked about spoons before but like the spoon theory of like mm-hmm. like I have no spoons left today nope I have exactly one spoon, and I have four things I need to do. I was trying to explain spoon theory to someone a while ago, and they were like, we're fully not getting it, and there was just this blank expression. And I, every time I'm around them, I'm like, wow, you really just don't understand my life at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and it's such an easy concept to explain to people who are neurotypical, generally, because mm-hmm. like, most people understand the idea of having energy for something or lacking energy for something. Mm-hmm. And if somebody doesn't get any of that, it's like, oh, okay. I guess you just, like, wake up in the morning, feel good, and then around 9 p.m. get a little sleepy. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, that's all you do. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? Oh, you have that book. Oh, Which one? Striptastic. Yeah, you should uh, flip through it. It's, like, pretty entertaining. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Total side note. Um, uh, yeah. I... I also have, I think, like, a soft diagnosis of anxiety disorder. I've suffered from panic attacks most of my Mm -hmm. life, which are 
super fun. Super fun. <laughs> yeah. Fun time all around. If you ever have never had a panic attack. Do you remember the first time you had a panic attack? Um. Yes. I was really young. I was probably, I want to say like seven or eight years old. And I didn't know what was happening at the time, but the only way that I could describe it to my mother was it felt like the blood in my veins was lead or metal, mm-hmm. which was the adrenaline rushing through my mm-hmm. veins. And my tongue was swelling in my mouth mm-hmm. so that I couldn't talk, which yep. is the not being able to breathe. Yep. Um, and that's the only way I could describe it. Like, yep. I had no idea what was happening. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. I haven't thought about that in a really long time. Do you remember yours? Definitely not, like, the first, like, actual... I'm sure I had plenty of panic attacks. Like, I can remember having things that, in retrospect, were panic attacks. But the first time I called it a panic attack was when I was, like, 14. And I wasn't even sure if that was the right word for it. Mm -hmm. But, like, I think I'd seen something on TV or read something. And it, like, that became a concept I had. And I was really freaking out, um... I was at school and I was with some friends and it was like lunch so we were crossing the street to go get food and it had occurred to me that I was having a panic attack so I asked somebody for a paper bag to breathe into because that's what you do on TV mm-hmm. is not helpful to me at all <laughs> and, and then everyone made a thing about how I was being a drama queen and showing off and getting attention and I was like well this bag isn't working anyway and it's making this <laughs> situation way worse okay and I just kind of remember, like, crossing the street being like, this is the worst feeling. What is going on? I think this is a panic attack. Yeah. Did you have the characteristics? Like, for me, characteristics of a panic attack are, like, not feeling... Mm-hmm. Essentially feeling like you're going to die mm-hmm. in some way, which is often backed by not, like, holding your breath or not breathing. Yep. And then adrenaline. Yep. I remember just, like, the, uh, like, my ribs constricting feeling. Mm-hmm. And then I would always feel like I wasn't blinking at all, too, mm. and just, like, completely um, deer-in-the-headlights feeling. Yep. Yep. I remember one time I had a panic attack. I was, like, sitting on a couch in Northern California in this, like, horrible living situation, and I, this was when I was having multiple panic attacks a day, and there was one where I was, I was... I was, like, dead certain that a train was going to come through the wall and hit me. Mm-hmm. Like, and I couldn't move. Mm-hmm. Which is, A, physically impossible for a train to run through a wall in the middle of Northern California in the Redwoods. Mm-hmm. But I was, like, that, that was what my brain was telling me. Mm-hmm. It was so interesting. I've definitely had those. I'm trying to think of one that's, like, not just me thinking I'm, like, terminally terminally ill or something. I've only had those, like, super irrational, um, like, asteroid coming. Mm -hmm. Oh, I got, I had a panic attack when I watched, um, the movie with, like, Kirsten Dunst and the meteors. Melancholia? Yep. 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 And I hated it because of that. Mm -hmm. And now my wife really loves that movie, and I'm like, like, that's a stupid movie. It's bad. (laughs) (laughs) I had a panic attack when I was... Uh, I think I was like 12 or 13 mm-hmm. and this was before I was out mm-hmm. as queer I had a panic attack watching the Birdcage movie hmm. yep I haven't seen it but I know like I've seen like shit about like it. super like way gay movie mm-hmm. and like 
Oh, I had a panic attack watching But I'm a Cheerleader once. What? Yeah. Because I, when I was 13, I was, like, convinced that there was something wrong with me. Mm-hmm. So... I kept trying to figure out if I was either a lesbian or had Down syndrome. I was just, like, convinced that there was, like, something that nobody was telling me, but uh-huh. everyone knew that was wrong. And yeah. so I was watching a bunch of, like, gay movies yep. to see if I identified with them. And mostly I was just like, I'm not gay. This is really weird. And there's all these people smooching and... I watched Better Than Chocolate, and I was like, what the fuck is happening? And this but it, way it, it above gave my, you a panic attack? Uh, but I'm a cheerleader, did. It's a great movie now. I mm-hmm. love that movie. Yeah. I don't think I get it at all. I find it very comforting now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm a, I have watched The Birdcage since then and have yeah. not had a panic yeah. attack. <laughs> yeah. But I... It's... I don't know. It's really fascinating, like, what your brain can tell you. Yeah. And what stuff you don't, like, listen to at all. Mm-hmm. And how it informs... Like, I feel like at least for me, how my mental health informs certain things. Like, I think I knew I was queer while watching The Birdcage, and that's why I was having a panic attack, you know? Yeah, totally. And, so. Yeah, I feel like I always kind of knew I was queer. I definitely, I definitely thought about it way more than I think straight people I don't know what they do I don't know what straight people think about <laughs> what do straight people think about I don't, <laughs> I don't know if they have like a big questioning phase but like I was thinking about it all the time from like 8 to when I came out and I was 14 yeah I didn't come out till I was 24 yeah I just did a decade yeah of being out that's pretty cool yeah which is really fascinating because I'm like, about to hit a decade of yeah you aging myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I oh, we're eleven years apart. Oh, that's cool. That's kind of cool. Yeah, it's a good number. Yeah, it is. I had a really uh, so okay. So maybe this is too much information, but whatever. I'm gonna. I don't think that's okay. a problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so today. Is July 19th. Mm-hmm. Um, and systematically, for years, I would always have, like, the week before this day or whatnot, have, like, really intense mental health issues or, like, m- like emotional issues or whatnot because uh, 50. 15 years ago today, mm-hmm. I had an abortion. Whoa. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And a nice, but complicated. But I remember my, I used to call it my abortiversary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like. It's a big day. Yeah. Like, I was like, I was like, at my job, I was like writing the date and I was like, oh, what? Uh, it's July 19th. But the cool thing is, is like, I didn't even think about it this year. Nice. Yeah. So that kind of shows me where my, my mental health state is, at least mm-hmm. for today, which is nice that today's date didn't affect me at all. It's really weird how, like, it, I don't even know what the word is, internal clock or something mm-hmm. can do that, though, with dates where you aren't thinking about it, but you feel shitty, and then you realize what day it is. Mm-hmm. 
But good for you for not having that today. I know. I was I was quite happy about it. And then I was like, and then I started thinking about it, and I was like, why do I remember all the days that I've like had traumatic events happen, but I can't remember birthdays. <laughs> I was I've always been really into remembering all of my like trauma dates. It's like <laughs> really like really into it it's for periods of my life, like obsessively and unhealthily into it. Yeah. I think I've stopped storing new ones mm-hmm. for the most part. I can't think of any, like, recent yeah, past few years ones. I obsess about numbers. Yeah. Which is really not great. And for a while, they, one of my doctors thought I had an OCD diagnosis, which I don't have. But during mania can show up yeah. as, like, a subsequent like, micro-diagnosis or whatnot where I, like, obsess about numbers. Yeah. My old shrink thought that any of my, like, obsessive stuff was just, like, a weird expression of an anxiety disorder. Mm-hmm. It was just her, like, she's just like, your anxiety disorder is just very unique. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> your disorder has a disorder. I don't think I would have OCD because there's not enough things that match that, but I feel like my obsessive stuff is usually either anxiety-driven, depending on what I'm obsessing about, mm-hmm. or possibly again was floaty diagnosis is being on the spectrum maybe mm-hmm. when I was yeah like when I'm really into a podcast that's more of like the spectrum thing and when I'm fixating on dates and numbers and doing weird math problems with different important dates in my life yeah I I used to only be able to walk on certain sides of the street mm-hmm. or if I, like, when I was real young, if I learned, and this is, like, where, and for me, like, if I obsess about, this is where it's, like, the mind, thinking about the mind, of, like, obsessing about Mm -hmm. the obsession, Mm -hmm. like, I start thinking about all the, like, I start obsessing about all the things that I obsess about. Yep. And, like, when I was younger, if I was taught a way how to do something, Mm -hmm. I couldn't do it any other way. Mm Mm-hmm. If it was, like, if it was taught to me in a very specific manner, I would parry like it back. The, like, tying your shoes, like, doing the, over, whatever, yeah. fucking bunny thing that people, yeah. And, and then I wouldn't be able to do it any other way. And so if someone was like, we're going to teach you this one thing, and then, oh, just kidding, we're going to change it slightly, I'd be like, whoa, <laughs> whoa <yeah>. there, I can't, <laughs> I can't do that. <laughs> I've definitely had stuff like that. I was... The shoe tying thing reminded me of being a kid, and my parents taught me how to tie my shoe on my left shoe, and then I didn't realize that you tied it the same way for both shoes, so mm-hmm. I could tie my left shoe, and then I have to ask somebody else to do the right shoe, because I hadn't learned how to do that side. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, that's, like, very literally, like, I learned a very specific way to do this, and it doesn't include the right foot. <laughs> like, no. Yeah, I don't, I can't handle, like, huge changes in plans, especially, like, mm-hmm. whenever I show up somewhere, and everyone's like, oh, you decided to go to this different restaurant. I'm like... Shit! Oh my god! <laughs> I've never been there before. Like I don't. Maybe like the bar works differently. Mm-hmm. It's always the thing I'm worried about is that the bar will work differently. Mm-hmm. Like the bar, like that serves alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> I'm always just worried that when you go up, like they're gonna, bartenders are assholes. I'm yes. Just, like totally. I'm like always worried that they're gonna be like, that's not where you stand. Like that's not what to do. That's not a beer we have. Like, yeah. So when people tell me that we're going to go somewhere new, and I'm like, holy shit, I will not be able to order a drink then. <laughs> like, it's too much. I'm just like, I'll have water, and everyone's like, you sure? Yep. <laughs> yeah, yep. I know how to order water. 
Yeah, I've kind of gotten over the, like, being able to walk on different pathways or different sides of the streets. But it wasn't until I was in, into my, like, young adult years. Yeah. Where I'd be, like, and I would have to, like, hide it from people. Mm-hmm. Like, I'd be, like... Can we just go this way? Just I follow like me. Way. I like yeah. this way. I was just across the street, and it would be because I would take that same route mm-hmm. every single time. That kind of stuff is super comforting, though. Yeah. Like, it's good, obviously, to be able to mix it up, but, like, my routines are, like, what hold me in place, mm-hmm. and if I don't have things, like, always doing the same thing when I wake up, I get freaking weird, Yeah, basically. Routines definitely help me a lot. But it's it, for me, it also can be hindering at times. Because sometimes, like, I'm unable to leave my house until I do a certain thing in a oh, certain yeah. manner. Yeah. And it's really frustrating because it feels like someone has control over my body. Yeah. Or what's almost, or not necessarily worse, but, like, when I'm trying to do a routine and then somebody else is there and mm-hmm. wants to do something differently and I'm, like, so such a bitch because, mm-hmm. like and I'm not trying to be like mean or whatever I'm just like whoa like wh- where are you what, what are you doing why are you there mm-hmm. like oh you're moving that way oh, okay <laughs> and, like I really can't like handle it in the moment and I have to apologize all the time when I am like so stuck in my routine that I can't handle another human because it, it from I don't know if you look at it this way but for me it's like pattern recognition mm-hmm. and so it's like this step leads into this step leads yeah. into this step and if someone comes in the middle and like tries to like get in the middle of a step you're like no this yeah. is not how it's supposed to no, go no like in the morning I like just listen to my podcast or like watch something while I make coffee and then breakfast and then whatever and then the next thing and if my wife wants to be part of that at any point and it's like oh I'll make coffee I'm like no don't bother like it ha- if you do it then it's just gonna all break down mm-hmm. there'll be like more things in the sink at that point and then like that won't be able to happen and the next part won't be able to happen it's all hinging on me doing it this way at this time mm-hmm. <laughs> super fun yeah <laughs> have you ever watched the price is right no okay it's this awesome game show mm-hmm. that i used to watch when i was younger when i would stay home sick from school because I was sick a lot when I was younger. Who's the guy on The Price is Right? Bob Barker. Yeah, there we go. No longer with us. I'm pretty sure he... Yeah, because Drew Carey yeah. took over it. Anyways, they have this game called Clinko, mm-hmm. <clears throat> which essentially is uh, a board that has like a bunch of spikes coming out of it, mm-hmm. and you drop a disc, and it creates a pattern down like zigging zigging down the spikes yep and and I always think about the the way that I would move through the world it's like a giant plinko game of Mm -hmm. like like so if I do this action it can lead me to action A or action B and then I always take action A which leads me to action C or action D and then I always do action D Uh and it's this giant kind of totally zigzagging Kind of like a choose-your-own-adventure thing. Totally. Where, like, you can sort of choose, but then after that, you have to do the next thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or it doesn't work yeah. out. Yeah. Pretty awesome. Not really. It can be kind of hindering. It, yeah, it can be super hindering. It can, it can also be, like, whatever, a strength or a tool or whatever. In certain, like, in certain things, I know that I'm... In certain situations, I know that I'm able to figure out what to do next. Mm-hmm. Because 
my brain is like, there are a couple options here. Like, like fucking splitting off flowchart, decision chart happening in my brain. Mm-hmm. And everyone else's feels like they're just sort of like wandering around confused. And I'm like, okay, this is where we need to go. But then sometimes it's absolutely incredibly hindering. Yeah. I think that it allows me at times to potentially think more clearly during like crisis situations but also then my anxiety flares up and so that can get muddled in the way oh yeah totally but yeah I don't know it's like there's been times where I'm like, I just want to fucking leave my house. I need to stop checking my stove. <laughs> right. My stove is off. I've checked it three times. Right. I don't check any of the things. Really? Yeah. I'm a That's checker. That's not part of my routine. It probably should be. I'm but I'm actually, like, one thing that is part of my routine is, like, just the autopilot hand doing things. So if I don't remember doing it, it means I probably did it <laughs> with, like, turning things off or um, hair straighteners whatever I have to sometimes have audio or visual cues when I mm-hmm. do things so I'll like tap my fingers mm-hmm. or I'll say it out loud and mm-hmm. like if I am unable to leave my house because I keep checking things if I check it and say that I'm say the thing that I'm doing as I'm yep. checking it then I remember the audio totally. I don't actually remember the action yeah I know what you mean Yeah, I talk to myself when I'm alone, but when other people are there, I really... I don't think I talk to myself. I hope I don't. I definitely don't talk as much to myself, and it's probably less... Like, when I'm, a, when I'm by myself, it's way, like, creepy-sounding. <laughs> <laughs> and just sort of, like, cooing to myself. I'm like, there you go. Okay, yeah, you go. I'm like, what are you doing next? Okay. <laughs> like, and when I'm... If somebody else is there, I'm like, phone, keys, wallet. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not quite as... <laughs> Like, I don't want to, like, use a bunch of slurs for, like, super, like, cuckoo, weird-sounding, like, TV lifetime channel of, like, what a crazy person sounds like. But I feel like also those things are really self-soothing. Oh, yeah. And I think that that's something that, that, um, is to be noted, Mm -hmm. is that even though sometimes these things get in the way, they're... They're really comforting. Oh, completely. Yeah, singing weird songs to myself is, like, the best. Mm-hmm. I absolutely can't do it in front of people, though, though. Mm-hmm. Like, at all. Yeah. But it's... I think that they're... I hate this... I hate this phrase. Mm-hmm. But they're, like, coping mechanisms that are developed at a very early age mm-hmm. that allow us to bypass these moments so that mm-hmm. we can, like move on to the next moment. Totally. So that you don't actually stay stuck in your panic attack or you just don't stay stuck in your anxiety attack or mm-hmm. stay stuck. Not that, like, staying stuck in mania is something that is, I think, even feasibly possible because it's mm-hmm. a different kind of thing. But, like, so you don't... What I call... This is what I call building a house in a mm-hmm. situation. So, like, you have this thing happening and, like, either you can build a house there and, like, live in it or mm-hmm. you can... Yeah. Try to do something and... Yeah, you can be, like, consumed by it or you can figure out a way out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's really funny to me that, like, the most famous, like, coping mechanism, or I guess it's a coping mechanism, on, like, TV and books and just whatever, is just breathing, which is 
very good. It's great, but I feel like people should like encourage each other to like sing a weird song to themselves mm-hmm. or whatever way the fuck more. Mm-hmm. I feel like now, uh, coping mechanism has like such a negative connotation to it. Mm-hmm. Because it's often it's a direct, like a crutch, yeah, or it's like a direct reaction to a negative experience. Yeah, tools. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but a positive spin on that is the idea of like self care. Yeah, and for me, what I've noticed, and it's like so simple, even though it's so fucking hard for me because I have really bad hand tremors, is putting on eye makeup. Oh, totally. Yeah, like, like. Better than breathing, better than smoking, better than, like, just, like, putting on black eyeliner. Mm-hmm. And then I can, like, look at myself in the mirror and be like, okay. Mm-hmm. But it's, like, little things like that that you... Yeah, like, I always used to, like, put on my leather jacket back when I was, like, addicted isn't the right word, but very dependent on my leather jacket mm-hmm. for, like... And it, honestly, it was a good thing, like, wearing a leather jacket that has never hurt anyone probably um but yeah like wearing a leather jacket now playing sudoku or something mm-hmm. repetitive and like very very familiar mm-hmm. yeah i think that those are helpful for me to remember because like i'll get stuck in a place and i'll be like i don't know what the fuck to do i've been through so much therapy and years of doing all these things and i have all these tools and i don't, i have i can't pull on any of them mm-hmm. it's like what can i do in this moment mm-hmm. and Instead of, like, going to sleep, which often is healthy, but sometimes not a healthy, mm-hmm. at least for me. Um, I'll just have nightmares if I go to sleep, like, 100% in it. I need to, like, at least pull myself a little bit out of, like, the dark place or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. There's, there's different things you can do. On a side note, mm-hmm. I was listening to this podcast, and it was, they were talking about sleep paralysis. Hmm. Have you ever heard of it? No, I don't think so. Uh, so it's it's very characteristic, and I, I didn't realize, I was like listening to this podcast, and I was like, oh my god, I've had sleep paralysis before. It's a direct reaction to trauma, Okay. and it's often characterized by literally the feeling of like being paralyzed in your sleep, so you wake up and you can't move, Okay. but... The one characteristic that is common for every person that has sleep paralysis is, like, seeing this, like, imaginary figure Hmm. either, like, sit on your chest or lay on you or, like, stand next to you or whatnot. Mm -hmm. But, like, it's this... Oh, I had that when I was a kid. Yeah. Like, and I used to see this figure and, like, it would, like, sit on my chest and I, like, wouldn't be able to move and I'd, like, freak out my friends or freak out my family and whatnot. I'd, like, wake up in the middle of the night and, like not being able to move yeah I had that when I was like a kid I was really one of the kid who sees stuff in the shadows kind mm-hmm. of kids and mostly I, that was just me like going down the basement and then turning off the light and like running up the stairs and kind of giving myself some like anxiety for thrill mm-hmm. but like when I would wake up I would have things where I would see honestly like a pretty problematic witch mm-hmm. <laughs> um retrospect that's not a stereotype that I want to play into but um I guess my sleep paralysis wasn't trying to be problematic but yeah but I mean if like if as a young kid you didn't like 
the idea of like a negative figure being by yeah. you was probably in your head a totally. witch you know what yeah. I mean and like yeah so I also had a dream catcher to keep it away so <laughs> like it was like a whole I'm just remembering that too my parents got me a dream catcher for that so it was really fucked up it was really colonizing problematic okay so I, I think I think that's been an hour yeah. I don't know. Close to an hour. Yeah. I feel like we, like, went on some tangents. We did. I think we found our way around that conversation pretty well. <laughs> awesome. An update on my fidget putty. It got really sweaty, and now there's glitter all over my hands. <laughs> <laughs> so, with that. <laughs> the sordid lives of the yellow fidget. Yep. <laughs> yellow putty fidget. Awesome. Yep. <laughs> awesome. Okay, well, we're going to say goodbye. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Thanks for listening to this week's episode. All of the music in our podcast is from Minneapolis-based hardcore band, Contentious. And always remember, this is the best podcast on the internet.
Always remember, this is the best podcast on the internet. <laughs> What's happening?